All right, good morning. I said good morning. <laughs> Let's stand together this morning and worship, all right? I want to hear you today, so sing it out, all right? I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Louder than the unbelieved, I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. Sing 
That's what we're here to do today, right? Amen. Amen. Let's raise a hallelujah. We continue singing.
become what may in the space between all the things unseen and this reckoning. know that in every battle that we face and every trial we go through God's God's there God's already been there that's the amazing part of it isn't it and the promises that uh, that we have in our Lord and in our Savior the promises that we have are all in this book y'all that we got in front of us and choir does a song I like it it says you can't stand on promises if you don't know what they are Pick up that book and read about all those promises. Read about what God has promised us that he'll do. And, and many of us have experienced his faithfulness to do just what he said he would do. Amen. The more we learn about God, the more we pray, the closer we get, the more we become like Christ, like Jesus, the happier we'll be. Amen. Amen. Hey, we're excited to have y'all here this morning. It's a good crowd. Thank y'all for coming and being here with us to worship. We're going to sing a couple more songs, and then we're going to uh, have one of our, our young, very able student pastor come and preach just a little bit. Pastor Mike and, and Julie have gone down to uh, visit with her mom. She's, not, she's really not doing well at all, so keep, keep uh, Miss Woodison in your prayers and keep Julie and her family and your prayers also as they travel and, and take care of her. All right? Hey, won't you sing this song? It's uh, speaking of staying in God's Word, uh, how to be happy, <laughs> trust and obey. Amen? Love this song together. Let's sing it. It's an old hymn. You know it. Let's sing it. When we walk with the
is that kind of God. able to do all things the impossible becomes past tense when we're thinking about you and what we need God so Lord we love you and we thank you for being the God of all the God of the impossible God be among us be with us this morning and just pray God that you'd have your way as Pastor Andrew comes to preach this morning I pray God that our hearts would be open that our minds would be prepared to take in what you've got for us today Father, you have your way. You be honored and glorified in everything that's done, for it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys have a seat? Got a revival. I wish that song never ended. I just, I love that song. Sarah and I drove, drive down the road. We listen to that song together. 
And I just love the part of the psalm where it's just, uh, come awaken your people, come awaken the city. God of revival, just pour it out, pour it out. Do we want that? Do we want that? I think sometimes we, we, I believe that we do want that, but I think there's a, there's a level of fear that kind of creeps in when we think about a revival happening. And here's why. Because we have to go out and bring that news to people. And there's some level of fear that can come with that. And so I think that the song that we just sang lines up perfectly with what we're talking about today. Um, if you guys haven't heard yet, we're talking about discipleship today. Um, as we talk, uh, we, we are in our series, Sharpening Our Aim. And today I have the privilege of talking about discipleship. And the reason why I call it a privilege is for one, it is a privilege to stand up here and bring God's word. But for two, I want to praise God for what he's done just in these past few months, okay? Check this out. Um, back in October, I was in a place where I needed, maybe a little before October actually, maybe August, September, I was in a place where I needed some mentorship, really in a bad way. Um, just struggling through some things. I needed just someone to pour into me. And so I reached out to a guy in our church and started meeting with him weekly for breakfast. Um, not daily, but weekly. Uh, we'd meet together and he would just pour into me and encourage me. And when I had some doubts, he would speak truth into those. And I had struggles, he would help me through those. And it was really powerful in my life to where two months later, I'm, I was looking around in our church and I said, where's that at in our church? What, what are we going to do? You know, what does Al do if he's having a tough time in his life? Who's he going to go to? You know, obviously the pastors are on staff and we're available for that, but does, does Al have someone in his corner that he can go to? Does Broma have someone in his corner that he could go to even when he's away at college? You know, I could go around the whole congregation. Who do we have to go to? Where's the level of accountability in our church? And so me and this guy mentoring me, it brought forth um, really a vision that kind of came through that. And it's really just true to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And so if you read Matthew 20, 18 through 20, it, Jesus is talking, okay, and, and Matthew kind of tells us, he says, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. I'm sorry, that's verse 16, but I'm gonna read it anyways. And when they saw him in, in 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I think this is a very powerful text. And what it did was it spoke to my life and said, look, we got to be making disciples in the church so that way we can send them out. And so there was a vision that was cast and, and men in the room, you guys, you guys kind of heard it directly from me in our fight night, okay? We have a battle to fight and we have to do it together. That was the crux of the message. And so what happens when this, this need for discipleship in our church kind of came forward, um, we set up this fight night and I reached out to some ladies and we set up our ladies night, which, we, which you guys know is the fort to face night. And so, yes, part of these was we need to get our people together. We had COVID last year. We weren't able to get together, so we needed to do that. But the big emphasis on both of those nights was creating small groups to start discipleship. And so since our first men's night and since the ladies' night, uh, check this out. We have started over 17 small groups in this congregation with over 60 people meeting weekly. 
So like four and a half, five months ago, you might have had a couple people meeting. There's a couple of ones that had already started. But since January, we have over 17 small groups total combined with men's and ladies, not like in the same group, but like, you know what I mean? And so we've had, and I've, it's, I've counted up the names of everybody that's signed up for these groups. We have over 60 people meeting weekly. And so if this doesn't, you know, it's 60 people, like, so what, Andrew? Like, that's just, that, I mean, that's only six people looking in the room. There's more than that. Well, yeah. But check this out. There, I, was, I asked around once I found out I was going to be bringing this message today. I asked around to, to some people about uh, how their groups have been going. And uh, one of the guys uh, responded back. And he said, I don't make friends, really. Other than my wife, I never had anyone to share or to talk to. And this has been the biggest impact for me to have a group that I can talk to and share with, even just hang out with and build my faith with. Four months ago, I didn't have that. But this guy got in a group with some other men, and they are killing it right now. I have more quotes from their group as well, but that's just one of them. And so when we talk about discipleship, I think it's very important that the text we look at is Matthew 28, and it goes in line with what we're trying to accomplish as a church. And so to kind of bring this, to kind of get you guys into the realm of the text and whatnot, I have a story. I have a story I want to share. Is that okay? Okay, good. Mike wants to listen to my story. So uh, about five years ago almost, I went out to, uh, I'd just been called to ministry in like February. And like in that summer, I signed up to work at a summer camp in Branson, Missouri. Um, some of you guys may have heard of Canicut camps. Um, I went out there and worked at uh, K-1, which is for six to 12-year-olds. And the campers come in for two to four weeks at a time. And so like parents literally drop their kids off sometimes for an entire month and just, hey, have fun for a month. And we did a bunch of cool things. One of the cool things we did is we went on this thing called trip. And it's basically we go out like an hour from our, our camp is what you, it's like a luxury camp. I mean, the cabins are like basically a million dollars a piece. It's crazy. Okay. So it's, it's pretty nice. But we got this trip and we just, we sleep in tents, we sleep in hammocks, and uh, there's some guys out there that teach us how to kind of get your food out of the wilderness and whatnot. And as part of going on trip is we take a boat and we go out uh, into Lake Table Rock and there's these bluffs out there and we go bluff jumping. And so even like the six-year-olds can go, they, they put on their life vests and everything. Is there anybody that's six in here or are they in children's church today? Is anybody six? Okay, maybe not. So... These little six-year-olds, they get up there in the bluff, like you have to climb up these rocks and you're like, it's slippery and everything like that. So you get up there. And so let's just say like on the scale of like how high it is, and this is like the highest height, like the height that they're jumping off of is in between the first and second step, all right? So they get up there and these kids, I mean, they're, all their buddies are looking around, so they're all fearless and whatnot. So they just, woo, like, re, like jump off or whatever. And some kids who get older and we're not, they're not supposed to, but when we look away, they do a backflip or a front flip. And I tried to dive off one, and I don't know if you guys have ever dove off a high height, but it's not the same as like from here to the ground. Your body starts like flopping over. And so my back was a little red after my back flopped in the water after 30 feet jump. So just warning you, your body, if you try to go dive, your body might tend to flip over. Just be prepared for that if you decide you want to go bluff jumping one day. But we, uh, as, as leaders and everything, we got to go jump off that too. But the cool thing for the leaders is if you go walk through this little tiny trail and up a little bit more, about 20 or 30 feet more at least, I guess it's probably more than that. It was like a 65, 70 foot jump. 
So you, climb, you, you start going out through there. And so I saw a couple of leaders jump out. I'm like, man, I'm an adrenaline junkie. Like, I want to go do that. And so I, I climb through the woods and everything, and I get to say this, this is the, the top right here. I realized that it was a lot higher from the top than it was when I was sitting on the boat watching them jump off. And not only that, but there's like this little tiny path that you can get through like to just even jump out. So you have to make a perfect jump. And then to add on to that and make things even worse if you were scared, it's not one of those ones you can just step off and everything's all right. You actually have to get kind of a running jump and leap all the way out because you have to clear a rock face about 15, 20 feet down just so that you don't die when you jump. Okay, and so like, I, did, I wasn't scared jumping off the other one where all the kids were, like it was pretty cool and everything. But this one, this one was a little, this one was a little more scary because the biggest thing for me was like, I can't just fall my way off because I would die. And I had kids I was responsible for and whatnot. So I realized I had to jump and I was terrified. I was up there for over an hour waiting to jump off this thing. Because I would get up there, I'm like, all right, I'm going, I'm going. You guys count down from five, I'm going to go. Because like, by that time, a couple other leaders, you know, trying, they would go and they'd get in line and they'd try to support me or whatever. And so I'd be like, all right, count down from five. And it would get to one and I'd go, nah, not going to do it. Not today. And then it just it'd get in my mind, I can't do it, I can't jump, I can't jump. And finally, after like an hour and a half, I had a guy who said something to me. And this is how important it was. I don't even remember what it was. But he said something to me. And I said, you know what, that's it. And you know what, as I'm standing here today, I remember what it was. He said, if you just look straight ahead and you don't look down at where you're going, the jump doesn't feel as high. So if you ever go bluff jumping and you're scared, look straight out, the jump doesn't feel as high. Because then when you jump, there's nothing you can do. You just gotta wait. So if you die, you die, you know, it's okay. So I looked straight out. And I said, all right, God, like, I'm just going to have to make this. And then just send it, like full send, and just came flying off the ledge. I'm like, ah, like flying down, land in the water, the place goes nuts. Because by that time, all the kids had gotten in the boat, like they were done jumping. They're waiting on me to come down so that way we could leave. Like, that's how, that's how long I was up there for. So the place goes nuts, right? But I think discipleship looks a lot like that. Because in the story, I mentioned the fact that it was easy at times to jump off a smaller cliff. You know, for some, that was a little bit more challenging, but you see other people doing it, so you go jump as well. And then when you get to the higher bluff, there's a few more that are, there's a few that are up there, not a bunch of leaders, but there's a few of them up there, and they were brave enough just to go for it. But there's people like me up there who are trying to take that next step of faith to jump off that higher cliff, and I needed some help to do it. Because... I was so scared in and of myself that if, if those guys had not been there, if I hadn't heard just the one piece of advice to say, look straight out and jump, I wouldn't have done it. I would have gone right back down to what's comfy for me. I would have jumped off the 30-foot one, climbed back on the, boat, on the boat, and sailed away a loser. But I'm not a loser, okay? I'm not a loser. You got, if you tell me to do something, I'm, I'm, I just, I'm going to try to put my mind to do it. Like, Handstand walking down a hallway, right, Mike? I'm going to try to find something to do. I'll tell you what, I forgot to say this earlier, and while I'm thinking about it, speaking of doing something, woke up this morning, and I told you guys last week I've been working on my diet, right? Well, I had one last cinnamon roll saved for breakfast this morning. And I was out of town for a wedding this weekend. We're on the way home last night. I said, woman, I cannot wait to eat that cinnamon roll in the morning before I get up there. She goes, 
Oh yeah, while you're gone, I ate it. I said, woman, that was my last one. My diet's, you know, my diet's kicking off now. This is my last one to enjoy. And she was like, well, you know, there, we do have to come through Clayton and there's another place where you can get more. And so of course, you know, so we had to stop by. So I got more and you can't just get one. You get the pack, like they didn't have a pack of six. So I had to get it settled for four. So I think God's trying to tell me something. Like you just need to chill out with these things. But I got my, my cinnamon roll this morning, and then, uh, you know, I tried to be good after the cinnamon roll, okay. I bought donuts for our students, and then they didn't want to eat them. So because I bought them, I decided to eat one. So I've had a cinnamon roll and a donut for breakfast, so my diet is not good, okay. I'll repent later. Um, but I said it to say, this morning, to get my cinnamon roll, I woke up, and God opened the, God opened the skies for me and said, Andrew, if you wear a coat today, Ricky Brown will listen to every word you say. Uh, don't call me a liar. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I just, that's what I did today, and I woke up and heard it, so Sarah did not dress me. It was good, the good Lord himself told me Ricky would listen if I did this. So back to the text. I'd, I'd give you guys, give a little, got a little sidetracked, right? But it goes back to the story of jumping off this cliff and discipleship on what it looks like. The fact is, is when we get in discipleship, we have to rely on God's power and not our own. We have to rely on God's power and not our own. Because check this out. If you try to do things on your own and you try to be in the greatest shape or you try to lift all this weight or if you try to not eat this food or if you try to not look at this thing or that thing or you not try not to say this thing or be better with your money, whatever, whatever you want to think of that you try to be better at, Eventually, your power is going to run out, and you're going to give in. Uh, even like the real disciplined ones, like like Kirk's here today, and his sleep, his arms are just busting out of his shirt. Like even people disciplined enough to work, to do curls ten days a week, like Kirk, even his strength will give out at some point, right? We have to rely on God's power, not our own. Because check this out: Jesus tells us Himself in Matthew 28, His all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Who's got the power? Jesus does, right? And, and it's not like Jesus just spoke his power into existence, which I mean, he kind of spoke creation into existence, but in this moment right here, it's after the resurrection, it's after he's lived a sinless life, it's after he died on the cross for us, which followed by the resurrection, okay? Then he appears to his disciples, and this is the, the command that he gives us. So he's earned the authority, he's earned the power. He didn't just say it and claim it, he literally earned it by going to the cross first and resurrecting and defeating death once and for all. And so because he rules and reigns over death, he has the authority and he has the power. And so because all authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth has been given to me, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And he says something else too. At the very end, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So if, if he's sending us out by his power, He's also promising that with his power, he's going to be with us. So we get God's power as we go out to make disciples. And so if we're going to make disciples, we're going to follow the Great Commission. As we sharpen our aim, we're relying on the power of God and not our own. Because our power will fail. I would not have jumped off that cliff if I did not have the strength of other guys pouring into me. And just one guy who said, I need you to look straight out and just leap and the rest will take care of itself. 
And then we start discipling, uh, we start meeting for discipleship, we start discipling other people, we put ourselves in a vulnerable position to be used by God so that we can also grow others. I don't know, I haven't sat in these 17 plus small groups, but I've sat in a, a, a handful of them. And what I realize is that the groups that, are, that grow the most, the groups that don't fizzle out, the groups that just have true, uh, the spirit is there, we have to put ourselves in a vulnerable, vulnerable position. We have to be willing to share things with people that we might not be willing to share with anybody else. And that can be difficult. That can be really difficult. One of the guys that was in another group, um, it says, this small group has impacted me in many ways, but just being able to open up not only about my life, but about my faith. And having a group of guys I can rely on and count on for help or advice. I've never had a group of guys in my corner, and it means a lot to me. And the accountability is a big thing. Another success story of accountability. Because when we get in discipleship, we put ourselves in a vulnerable position because we start sharing our, our hurts, our struggles. Hey, we start sharing our victories, our successes as well. But we put ourselves in a vulnerable position, but it's so that we can be used by God to sharpen the group and make them grow more. And then the next thing, when others see us being obedient to God and growing, they'll jump in the ditch and they'll start digging with us. You guys ever driven down the road and you see those government employees, uh, maybe as a traffic light, and you got one guy down in the ditch just digging out or whatever, and then you got a bunch of like four or five other guys standing around on their phones. You guys ever seen that? Am I? It's the government people, I'm just saying, you know, but they do that a lot. You drive by and I'm like, that kid's like 16 years old digging a ditch and you got three other guys standing around on their phones. Like, they're probably getting paid more than he is too. And he, he's the one digging the ditch. But there's something about when you get in a group of people and you see them growing and you see them going to war, you want to get in that ditch and you want to dig with them. There's something about it. When someone comes to you and says, man, I can't even look at you in the face because I'm struggling so bad with this, this, or this, that I, I'm just, I'm, I have so much shame in my life. And you say, hey, you know what? This guy right here actually just finished walking through that season. Why don't he just share that, some of his successes and victories with you? Hey, here's what worked for me. Here's what I'm going to help you with. And you know, that's, that's a little more personal in my life too. Right as I got called to ministry, I hit probably the darkest place in my spiritual walk. I was meeting with, a, with a, a college pastor in the area who found out I was called to ministry. And so we started meeting, and I've shared this with you guys before, but I looked at him, I said, man, I just, I don't have the strength to keep fighting. I don't want to keep fighting. I'm just ready to be done with this. I was ready to walk away from the faith. And at that moment right there, he stopped us and said, we're going to start praying for you. And we're going to set up accountability in your life so that you can overcome this. And it was things, that, accountability that I didn't even want there anymore. But there were steps put in place to where I was able to break free from that and go on to work at that summer camp to where I could grow and grow and grow and get plugged in at a church where I continue growing more. And it's all because at one moment in time, there was a guy who got in the ditch with me when I was struggling and started digging. That is what discipleship looks like. And that is what's been going on in these 17 groups, 17 plus uh, groups over the past few months. I've seen guys that have come in doing zero quiet times a week who are seven out of seven every single day of the week. 
And so basically what I've had to do is I've got a group that's, so like in the past I've had groups that struggle with quiet times. And so that's our main source of accountability. And then this, I've had a couple groups that just come in every week. Like, yeah, that's ain't nothing but a thing for me. Like seven out of seven days. Like, yeah, what else you got for me? And so we're starting to memorize Philippians chapter four. We're up in the game. Because if, if that's where we are comfortable, if that's the 30 foot jump for us, We've got to continue to take ourselves deeper so we can challenge ourselves more. All right, so hey, let's up the ante. Let's do something that's not so easy. How many of you guys are, are good at memorizing things? Anybody got a photo memory? Very few, like maybe one or two of you in here. And because you guys are blessed, and I'm not, it takes me a lot longer to memorize things. But guess what? When I get in my struggles, that Philippians 4 man has been so good. And I've had other people coming in every week. There's been like uh, two weeks ago, I really struggled to get all the verses done. And I had two guys come in and just bam, bam, spotted them right off. I was like, uh, don't look at me. Don't ask me because I didn't have it done. Right? And so we get in these groups and we're relying on God's power. We're putting ourselves in vulnerable positions. And we're being obedient to God so we can see us all grow together. And then we're sent out. And then we're sent out. Because check this out. Uh, verse 19 says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So that go therefore, um, if you look in the Greek language, which is the original language this verse was written in, Koine Greek, it's, it's written in what's called the aorist tense. Okay, you have like past, present, future, like and whatnot. This is written in the aorist, I guess. And basically what the aorist is saying, like having gone and making disciples of all nations. So like not saying like go, yes, it's, that's what our English version says, but having gone. And so having gone means when Hunter Warwick goes to work every day, he's having gone. And so while he's there, he's making disciples while he's there. Having gone means when Jerry has his homeowners association meeting and whatnot they got going on, he's making disciples. Having gone means that when you guys go to your schools, students, you're having gone, that's where you make your disciples at. It's not like, hey, you have to think about going. Like we go every single day. And so having, you retired people, where's Al? I'm calling you retired, but Al, like clockwork, 5.30 a.m., Rabbit Town. You'll see Al there. I'm like, goodness, Al, man, what you doing at 5.30 in the morning? Like, he's there every day, right? Having gone, make disciples. Having gone to the library make disciples. Wherever we go, having gone, well, that's where we make our disciples. And I think sometimes that can cause some fear in our lives because what does making disciples look like, right? If you just read the rest of the verse, it kind of tells you, but we're going to dig a little bit deeper in that too. Baptizing them, or it's, uh, there's, hold on, I missed, okay, never mind, I was getting ahead of myself. Baptizing in the name of the, of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And so what that looks like, so some of this uh, baptizing and teaching, so the baptism one, yeah, we, we have a baptistry here, so you got that right there. Teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. There's a lot that goes on in there. What do we do in these groups? Is it, is it some kind of cult? Do we just meet every week and kind of like meet as a cult? No. We fellowship together. We do life together. We enjoy eating some good eggs and some like to put a bunch, whole bunch of gravy and bacon on a plate. And they like to take their bacon and dip it in the gravy and get more. Like, it's just, I'm, I'm like, I like me some gravy sometimes, but that's just too much for me. Or some of us, some of us uh, get enough in one plate where we can break it in half and take it for uh, meal, a meal later on. 
but we're fellowship and we're hanging out, right? We're breaking bread together, just like Pastor talked about in Acts 2 last week. We're just hanging out. And then it gets a little more spiritual, so don't hate me for that, but that's going to be the best part of it. We pray together and we pray for one another. Check this out. For me, I've been a part of small groups before, but this time around, the biggest impact on my life has been on the side of prayers. I've never prayed for people other than my immediate family regularly, and especially not every day, seven days a week. I've been trying to pray for more people than I ever have in my life and doing it continually. I would never be doing this if it wasn't for this group. I consider you all family now. You pray together. You pray for one another. Sometimes, I think we overlook it sometimes. And some, people, some people really get it, okay? Like Katrina, where's, is Katrina in here? She, she's probably praying away right now anyways. Katrina gets it. The, one of the best things you can do for someone, it doesn't seem like much, and this is, this is me trying to be like a dude and just trying to want, to want to fix everything, right? Sometimes praying for people is the best thing you can do. And not really sometimes, anytime, praying for people is the best thing you do. Because why? Because you are literally going to the God of the universe who spoke everything into existence, who has healed people of all kinds of sicknesses of all time and diseases, you name it, addictions. You're going to the guy who has all power and all authority, and you're asking him to intercede on your behalf and do things that you can't do. That is the most powerful thing you can do for someone. And sometimes it gets overlooked. It seems a little too spiritual. But it's literally the most powerful thing you can do. And this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for discipleship. We hold one another accountable. Our discipleship group has been necessary in my life, and it came at the right time. I would say the greatest help, and I'm giving away the leader here, the greatest help that Clint and our group have provided is just being a godly sounding board while holding me accountable. Being able to talk things out with the guys on Thursday mornings and seeing how they handle things and also seeing what God's word has to say has helped me a great deal in making godly decisions. The accountability. The accountability is there. We hold one another accountable to making sure we're following the word of God. That when God has asked us to do something, to love other people, to not be hateful to them, and people who hate us, pray for them anyways, right? To do these things, to be godly. We hold one another accountable to that. For, for a guy who needs to help on his purity or a woman who needs help on her purity, we hold them accountable to those things to make sure they're not stumbling in those things. talk about digging ditches, but we bury one another digging ditches and getting in there and digging with them. We bury one another's burdens. We bury one another's burdens. A couple weeks ago, one of the guys in my group had just a crazy couple of days. I'll tell you what, his dad had like all these like many strokes and had to go in the hospital. And so while his dad was in the hospital, we were meeting as a group. He gets a phone call saying that his sister had also gotten into some trouble and was literally like on her way to the hospital too as she was really sick. I think that's a pretty big burden on someone to carry. That's a pretty big dude, but like that's a pretty big burden for anybody to bear. And guess what? Hey, man, I know you got to go, but before you go, can we pray for you real quick? Can we pray for your family? And then, hey, give us some updates. Give us some news. Hey, and that later on that afternoon and evening, what did we do? We followed up with him. Hey, man, give us an update on your family. Tell us how it's going. Because we bared a burden with him and to help him get through that. Because that's not easy. Another one that I, I, 
I, was, I wanted to say in here is we memorize scripture together. Because in America, we got the Bible readily at hand. You know, it's, got, it's in our pockets at all times. A lot of you, like me, prefer printed copies. So the printed copy could be in your hands. It could be sitting next to you. Whatever it may be. I mean, we, I think we, got, we had some on the screen at some point. So literally, like, the, the, the word is everywhere, right? But there's other parts of the world that don't have that. But what did Jesus do when he was tempted in the wilderness? So he quoted scripture straight back to the enemy. And so for some of us, when we get in the wilderness and we're being tempted, wherever we may be, we need to have that here and here in our head and in our hearts so that way the first thing we can spout back to the enemy is scripture. I mean, if you go to Ephesians 6, talk, talk about the armor of God, what is the sword? Noah, what's the sword? The word, Right? So if, we're gonna, if that's our one offensive weapon and the whole armor is the sword, and that's what it tells us it is, if we have that here, we're ready to fight back when the enemy tries to tempt us and lure us away. So we memorize scripture together. And all that to sum it up is we're making disciples and we're equipping them to be sent out. So some people are a little bit further along spiritually, and so some of them are leading these groups, and some people are actually... Pretty good along spiritually, anyways. And so, it's a couple of the groups that I'm in. I mean, if, I'm technically like the leader because I asked them to be in a group with me. But like, if you sat in on the group, it wouldn't seem as if I'm the leader. It seems like we're all leading together. So I think like the misconception could be about a small group is that you just have to uh, you have to have like this big like six page lesson typed out. You have to be ready to just teach the entire time, and that's not necessarily what it looks like. Um, a, a couple groups, they have a Bible study that they do together, and so they have questions that they inter interact with while they're reading, and then they talk about it as a group. Uh, my, a couple of my groups, we read books together. And so um, one of the books we're reading out right now is called Winning the War in Your Mind. It's a, it's a new book that just came out. And so we read a chapter every week, and we come and we talk about some of the things that we've learned from it. And that's been really good for us, and it's been really successful because it gets us reading. It gets us learning things from someone else's point of view as well and really opening up like the Word because it refers to the Bible in there as well. And so it's not some fancy lesson. It's, I basically say, all right, guys, um, here's what I got out of this. What do you guys think? And then it's like, hey, uh, what did you get out of this group, you know? Or what did you get out of this group? Or what did you get out of this uh, chapter we read this past week? Well, I just really liked how he was saying that if you can really just, you, sometimes you get in these ruts thinking, and if you can kind of, kind of re rewire your brain to where you start thinking different things, you speak more victorious thoughts in your life, then you don't see things as negative all the time. And so I've, had a, I've rewired my brain this past week and my life has been so much better. Like that's just off the cuff. Like that's something someone might've shared, right? From the book that we we're reading. Just something like that just rewires and rechanges the mind. So as we're making disciples, uh, that's what it looks like. We don't have to have some fancy three-point sermon we show up every time. It's just the fact that we show up and we're ready to pour into people. Because again, who has the power? God does. And check this out. And even when we're scared, when we feel alone, Jesus said, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So as we meet in these groups, I mean, there's just, there's endless more, more quotes, and I have a couple more that are in here. And talking about being, you know, getting people together to send them out. The chance to form a group of younger men has been such a blessing for me. But the thing about it, I feel they do more for me spiritually than I do for them. These guys are committed and have shown their commitment week in and week out. The time of study is awesome, but the renewed and new friendships formed are priceless. This is the leader of the group, 
He's saying that he's getting just as much out of it, if not more, because of the the way everyone else contributes to the group. So it's not, you don't have to wait on something saying like, okay, I'm ready now, I'm going to lead a group. It's just saying, I just need to be a part of one. And if I need to lead it, then so be it. We'll get a book, we'll read a chapter. What did you get out of it? And so if you need help with those things, obviously that we have people on staff that can help you with those and, and get you some, and, and see if you can get work on a flow for a group or whatnot. But what we do in these groups, it truly reflects iron sharpening iron. Going to Proverbs, talk about iron sharpening iron. Like this is truly what it is. We're making each other more and more and more like Jesus every single time we meet. Because throughout the week, these, this is how these groups are effective. And so um, if you're thinking about being in a group, if you're reflecting on a group that you're in, or if you're not in a group, uh, here's how these groups are most effective. Ready? We're accountable. We're accountable to each other. That if something crazy comes up and we have to miss, like that'll, that'll happen once every once in a while. But consistently missing and not being accountable to the group and what the group is trying to accomplish together, that is how you keep the group from being effective. But if you are accountable, you're there, or hey, um, you just say, hey, I got something coming up. Can we change days? Yeah, yeah. Let's run, let's run by everybody else. Yeah, okay. Everybody else can meet one more, like one day later. Great. Like a couple weeks ago, like I had to move our, our date to like from a Monday to a Tuesday. Just reach out to the guys. Yeah, all good. Okay, we're meeting on Tuesday. Simple, simple as that. Just being accountable and communicating with people. Second thing, we walk with integrity. We walk with integrity. We don't show up to these groups acting like we got it all together. Because when we show, that, that is, a, it looks bad on our integrity, and we're essentially lying to the people in our group that we've got it all together, and we don't. When we're struggling, we need to let people know we're struggling. When we're doing good, we need to let them know we're doing good. It's the way a group will be effective. Accountable, we walk with integrity, we don't lie. I know I already said this, but I want to say it again. We show up. You show up week in and week out, and you're ready to go. And when you show up prepared every single week, you're going to get something out of it. Because not only do you have something to contribute, but you're going to be able to listen to other people as they go. And as I said earlier, it really doesn't take much to lead these groups. And most of the groups are functioning to where if you sat in it, like I was saying, you would feel as if everybody was contributing equally. It doesn't take some crazy person to get up there and lead I'm not going to shout out any names because in a deacon's meeting, I was saying, you know, we got this thing set up pretty easy that anybody can run it. And I gave a name and it sounded wrong. So deacons, you guys know what I'm talking about. And so when, when Jesus tells us here in the, in the Great Commission to go make disciples, or having gone, go make your disciples, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always. Pastor talks about this, this, uh, this bullseye over here and whatnot and sharpening our aim because sometimes, you know, if you're, uh, I wish I was someone in here. I got a buddy of mine who's a big bow hunter and his name came to my head, but you guys wouldn't know him. Like this dude would be like money every single time, right? But people like me, while I am pretty good, like sometimes I get in the red or I get, I get in the blue, but still pretty close to the target. I would say as a church, we're getting more and more closer to that bullseye every single day. Because it's every day, I feel like so often, hey, I need to be in a group. Can you get me a group? Or hey, I need to be in, the, I need to, uh, can I lead a group? I got some people that are wanting to meet together. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're, I want to come as a praise today and say, church, you have done a phenomenal job these past few months of meeting in groups and growing together. 
The change in the culture of our church is different four months, uh, four months out from where we started. Not saying that there was nothing happening before it, but from four months ago to now, it is completely different. Even just the energy in our church on a Sunday, the community is there. I feel it every single time I walk in here. And so one of our other people uh, talked about it, this, this change as well. It said, I feel as though I see people around me through different eyes. It's challenged me to look at people, strangers and friends alike, through the eyes of Christ instead of my worldly eyes. I've also been challenged to, lo- to allow the love and light of Christ to shine through me so that those around me don't see me, but they see the Lord. This is a challenge at times in the world we live in, but I know if I allow him, Christ will use me. It's pretty good right there. We're hitting our aim pretty good. As we talk, well, we need to sharpen it a little bit more. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is, so when I was in college, I got to play baseball. I was fortunate enough to do that, right? <clears throat> in my junior year, um, I got in a little bit of a slump. And so when I was, I mean, no, sorry, 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 sorry. Not junior, back up, back up, back up. Sophomore year. Sophomore year. I got in a little bit of a slump, right? Um, sometimes, you know, like when you get old like me, you forget things, sorry, you know. Sophomore year, I got in a little bit of a slump, right? My batting average was just sinking just daily. And I, wa- I realized that I wasn't starting as much anymore. Or like if we were getting beat or if we were ahead, like if I had a couple bad at-bats, I would get taken out and someone else would go in and do the job for me. And let me tell you something. I didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. Because those guys, when I touch that field, they're relying on me to do my job so that way we can be better as a team so that we can go out and win games. But if I'm not doing my job, our team is not the best that it can be and therefore, I'm hindering the team. And so for me, sitting in that dugout and watching my team play was the worst feeling in the world, knowing that I should be out there and that if I would work harder and I could play better and I could stay out on the field. And so what did I do? I busted my tail. I busted my tail to get back in the game because I knew that's where I needed to be. And I'm not throwing rocks at anybody who's not in a group because you might not have even known that's what we were doing, so that's Okay. But for those of you guys that aren't in groups, it's time to get in the game. As Airline Baptist Church, as we sharpen our aim, it is time to get in the game as we go out and we get ready to be sent out into our community and love on them and win them to Jesus. Having gone, make disciples. As we go, make disciples. So as we get discipled, we put ourselves in a position to disciple others. So some of these groups that are meeting, we've been meeting for a few months now, but I've already started putting in their ears, hey guys, start finding some people, start finding some people, because I'm, I'm getting ready to send you guys out, and we can keep meeting, but I'm getting ready to send you guys out. I need you to, get, you to find some people to go disciple. And so to the groups and the groups, group leaders in here, get them ready. We got to send them out. Because we don't want to be internal here. We don't want to say, all right, well, this group's done and we enjoyed it, so let's just go find some other people like, like on the other side of my Sunday school class and we'll start meeting now. Like, no, that's not the way it needs to be. We need to get in our group and get charged up and we need to go out and find people in our community and make those disciples. And that will bring church growth. And that's not why we do that. We do it so that we can further the kingdom of Jesus. We don't say like, if I just go out and do this, there's more people who can be sitting in pews on Sundays. No, that's not, I'm not into that. And I would even go as far as say, hey guys, I'm really not as much into converts as I am disciples. 
Okay? So hear me out when I say that. A lot of times converts are good praying a prayer and never do anything for Jesus the rest of their life. I want people who are disciples, who are followers of Jesus, who are committed to his ways, who I know have my back and are ready to go to war with me. Because they're going to do things for the kingdom. I want disciples. And so if we do these things as a church and we get sent out and go do those things for other people, the disciples will be made. And whether they join us here on Sunday or they join somewhere else, we'll be doing our job and making disciples and our aim will be in that bullseye. For those of you, again, not in groups, I just want to challenge you. You've heard the testimonies shared today. And I could, I could really go on more and more. I shared one last week with you guys. I could go on more. Get in the game. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud for those of you that have gotten in the game because I can see the life changing a lot of you. Because I know who all is in the, all the groups. So I know who's meeting every week and whatnot. And what's crazy is I, I can see the difference. I can see the difference. Even last week, or this past week, Tammy posted on Facebook of her group. They all got t-shirts. I was kind of jealous. Heather, uh, Heather's not here today. Heather made t-shirts for their group. I didn't get one, but it's okay. But I tell you what though, there's some people who I heard talking and they want to get t-shirts now too. We're spurring each other on, right? I tell you guys something, when you make time for Jesus, if you if you just say, Jesus, I'm willing to make this time to, do, to, to, to grow closer to you, to make disciples, check this out. It's not like, hey, you know, you should consider doing this, and if I lead you the right way, then yes, it'll work. No, he's saying like, having gone, so assuming that you're going, basically, you go make these disciples. So like, we need to step more into obedience instead of taking more. It's, it's not an extra step of faith. It's really just us stepping into obedience. Does that make sense to you guys? So for me as a kid, like, my mom's here today, okay? Some mom would say, like, hey, you don't need, or, um, sorry, hey, can you help me unfold these clothes, please? Or can you make your bed for me? And so, like, I wouldn't do it that day, but maybe, like, a couple weeks later, like, I just, hey, it'd be a cool thing to make my bed today, right? Like, it just really dawned on me, the Spirit led me and compelled me that today, three weeks after you asked me and 12 hours later, um, I'm going to make my bed, like, that wasn't me taking a step in faith to just impress my mom or anything. That was me being delayed in my obedience. And so for us, and when it comes to making disciples, it's not necessarily a step of faith to make disciples. It's just us being obedient. That's the difference. And so some, some of us, we need to step into that obedience and we need to start making that disciple, those disciples. And if there's fear there, I just want to encourage you today. All authority has been given to Jesus, and he's the one who's sending you. It's, it's not me. I mean, I, I kind of want to. Like, I'm kind of sending you, but like Jesus is the one sending us, and he's the one with the power and the authority. If you have a problem, just, just go to him about it. I'm sorry. Like, I'm just trying to be the mouthpiece for him. But he also said, I'm with you always. And we look at God's promises. When God promises us something, he's faithful to do it. So when we go out and we take that, take that leap of being obedient, I'm not going to call it a step of faith, when we take that leap to be obedient, he's with us. Even when we don't feel like he is, he's with us. Because there's people in this church who haven't been discipled 
if we, take, if we take this step of obedience, there's people in this church who could grow from you being in a group with them. There's people I'm in groups with now that I didn't, I was kind of surprised that I ended up with them, but I've grown because of their obedience. There's people in this church who could grow from you being in a group with them. And last thing I'll say for you guys, there's people in our community that are waiting on you. We talked Wednesday night about Ephesians 2, uh, Ephesians 2.10, talking about these love and good works which Jesus has prepared for us. Every single day when we wake up, we just got to tell ourselves, Ephesians 2.10, like, I have good works that are prepared for me today, and I need to go do those. Part of those good works is going out and making these disciples. There's people in our community that are waiting on you to go disciple them. Whether that's they feel like God's telling them they need, there's something's coming, or we just need to go hit them with the Spirit and let them know that we're going to be discipling them and share Jesus with them. They're waiting. They're waiting on us, church. And we got to go out and do it. And so as we close today, the response kind of that I want to I go into is, are you in a group? If you are, heck yeah. Let's go. Get ready to be sent out, though. Because some of these groups have been meeting on for months now. Get ready to get sent out. Get ready to, to do that obedience of being sent out. If you want, and then for those of you that are not, if you want to be in a group, um, Anita last week came and said, hey, I want to be in a group. Said, I got you. Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights here at the church, she's going to have a group going. Uh, during, during the adult study here, if, you wanna, if you're a lady and you want to be in a group, this, that's it. Pastor's wife is going to be in it too, I believe. And so uh, that's the call, guys, that Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. I want you to, having gone, make these disciples. And if you're worried about it, if you're worried about my faithfulness or anything like that, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I was telling someone earlier, and I'll leave you guys with this. I was telling someone earlier, I said, you know, I might not be the greatest speaker. That's fine. I might not be the greatest student pastor. That's fine. But I'll tell you where my wheelhouse is as, as a pastor and as a minister. My wheelhouse is discipleship. Like meeting with people in groups or one-on-one discipleship. That is literally where my wheelhouse is. And I, like people on staff know that. Like people who know me well know that. Like that is my wheelhouse. And when I tell you guys that these groups are worth it, just know that it's because I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death and God brought me out of those things. And he's put me, he's taken me to the peaks. And even when I've gone back into that valley, he's been, there right, he's been right there with me through it. But it's also been because there's been guys in my corner who helped me jump off the cliff, who pushed me harder to get in the game and get working. So I want to challenge you guys with the same thing. That's what I got for you guys today. So I'm going to pray. And however you feel like God's moving on your heart, that may, that may be joining a group. Um, that could be joining the church today. Uh, that could be, hey, Andrew, I want to lead a group. Like, I'll, give me some people and I want to lead. I'm going to help you find some people, maybe. But I might say, hey, you go to work every day? You got some people in there you can meet with before y'all start every day? So just be careful if you come up here and ask me. Hey, I love you guys. I really do. I really do. And I'm very proud of you guys um, for what you guys have done these past few months and meeting these groups. Like, it's just the names that I saw join, I'm like, that's amazing. That's amazing. And to see the growth that's come. And so hear me out when I say this. I'm, I came here today more to praise you guys and to encourage you guys that, aren't, that haven't been in a group yet to get in with us because we're going somewhere. And Jesus is leading the way. Sound good?
Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Sorry, I interrupted that clap. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. God, thank you for Jesus and the promise he gave us. God, and I just thank you for the promises that you've given us in your word to where we, can, we know that we can trust those because you've been faithful to us time and time again, and there's never been a moment where you've let us down or that you've forsaken us. So God, this morning, I pray that you'll put it on our hearts to be obedient to you in whatever way that is. If that's to raise the level of accountability in our groups to where we're becoming more like you, if that's to be obedient to start making disciples, God, I pray that that, per- that person that has it on their heart to just go out and do that. God, I pray for us as a church that we'll be mindful to what's going on in each other's lives, God, that we realize that we are truly doing life together, but that there's also a community that's waiting to do life with us. Whatever it is, God, we give this over to you. We love you. Amen.
come and start singing. I'm not going to do that. That was too pretty a song. <laughs> Man, what a day we've had today. Y'all can be seated. We're just going to do some closing announcements. Talking about being still in that last song. Talking about discipleship and these groups and just why don't we gather to behold him, to right. grow together. Man, awesome. Just a few, just a few announcements that we're going to be dismissed really quick. Um, this week upcoming, of course, our Wednesday night Bible study uh, is happening. If you haven't come, we're, we're closing up uh, the book we're in, but don't worry, it's not too late. You can still come and get a little bit out of the book of First Peter there. So we want you to be a part of that. So we're meeting this Wednesday night. And, of course, after that, Mr. Mike wanted me to let you know we got choir practice, choir gathering. Yeah, at 7.30. Yeah. So if you can sing... You want to sing, you want to be in the choir, praise team, whatever, uh, join choir at 730. It'd be a great time. And then next Sunday, we are gathering for our after church for our pray and go. That's happening on, uh, that's happening at about uh, five o'clock, I believe. Yeah, next Sunday night. But also next Sunday, we've got a big thing happening here on campus. We've got our night, night of champions. Now, it's not necessarily... Uh, us uh, at Greater Hall FCA, our, one of our partner ministries here, they're doing a big night of champion where they honor student athletes, coaches, uh, some of their leaders here, and that's happening on campus. We're going to have, I mean, there's going to be a lot going on from, there's going to be stuff going on in here. They're going to have some worship bands outside, some jumpy stuff. And if you want to volunteer to help with that, whether to help do some stuff, we can definitely use you somewhere. Just find me. We'll put you uh, in a spot on Sunday evening. So that's going to be help with set up, break down, whatever. So that's going to be a good night just so we partner with the ministry there. But praying goes happening. If you need assignments for the week for that, you can get those from the staff, from me. You can find me. We also have got our new door hangers. They are in. And uh, if you want those, maybe to, you can't be here on Sunday evening to go pray and go, but you can go this week. Um, the, the, the door hangers are in the office. Anything else? One more thing. One more thing. Go on. All right, I'm going to do this. Uh, we got a, a message, and this is, thrills my soul. We got a message of a family wanting to join our fellowship. Okay. And so we're going to do that this morning. We're going to welcome them into our fellowship. They want to become members here from a church of like faith. Miss Jimmy, Mr. Jimmy, Miss Jimmy, I'm sorry, Jimmy. Jimmy's a big old boy. He'll hurt you. Jimmy and Christy Dodd. Y'all, most everybody knows him. Y'all just stand. Welcome Absolutely. To stand fellowship. up. Good to have y'all with us. Normally we would shake hands, hug necks and all that stuff, but just wave at them from afar and say, hey, glad to have y'all. Amen. Good to have y'all back with us. Yeah. Just one more thing and we're going to close. Just hit me as I'm sitting there. Earlier this week, this one I want to leave you with. Earlier this week, I was trying to buy a grill. Yeah, I know, you can laugh. I was trying to buy a grill, and I went to one of those, you know, wholesale, like, liquidation places where, like, a grill had fallen off the back of a truck because I wanted a good deal on a grill. And so I went there, and I'm trying to buy this grill, and it's, it's dented up. It's broken. There's, like, got this huge dent in the side. The, there's something going on in the hood. And it's got, like, there's a rust spot right here. And they wanted to charge me full price for it. And I, I left. I said, no, I can't pay that because of everything going on. And then this morning it hit me as I was thinking about that. We were that grill. You were that grill. And Jesus paid full price for you. Amen. So use that this week so as you go out. And remember, I'm just a dented up grill. And Jesus <laughs> paid full price for me. Amen. Let's pray.
Dear God, we, we thank you. God, we, we love you, Father. God, for just the, the stuff that you're doing here at your church. God, with your people. God, you tell us if we humble ourselves. God, you can do great things in and through us. God, you've invited us to take part. Let us never forget that. God, be with us as we go throughout our week. It's in your name we pray. Amen.